Hi there, and welcome to episode 32 of the T21 Mum podcast. My name's Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. And today, my co-host and friend, Ron, joins me. Hey, Mary. Hey, Ron. I understand we are talking to a father today. Yeah, we're talking to a friend of mine, Frank Bath, and we're going to talk to him from his perspective about his daughter, Ellie. Who endured open heart surgery, and it was a serious open heart surgery. I mean, all open heart surgery is serious, but Ellie had a very serious defect. Yes, and he talks about that. And, you know, as we also talk about, at least half of our rocking kiddos do have some sort of heart condition. Ainsley does not. She's the other half. And uh, I think, you know, it gives a good perspective on what people can expect. And we talk about the different types of heart conditions that our kiddos can have. And, yeah, I hope uh, people get a lot out of it. Okay, let's go talk to Frank. Okay, let's go. Today on the T21 Mum podcast, I'm so happy to have on my friend and rockin' dad, Frank Bath. And today we're going to talk about open heart surgery. Welcome, Frank. Hi, Mary. Hi. Good to be here. I'm so glad that you're able to come on. So can you share a little bit about your family and your rockin' girl? Uh, Sure. Um, My wife, Janie, and I have a uh, now a uh, five and a half a year old uh, daughter Ellie mm-hmm. and um, she went through open heart surgery which was uh, qu- as you might imagine quite an experience for the pair of us yes I can only imagine and obviously we're gonna that's what we're gonna talk about today so so as I'm sure many of our listeners are aware, at least 50% of our kids with Down syndrome have a heart condition. Ainsley is the other 50% uh, who does not have one. So what are, do you know, what are the most, com- like I've heard of different ones, but what are the most common heart conditions that our kids can have? So I, Ellie had, I think, um, one of the most common, and it, it's, I mean, it's common amongst children with down syndrome Mm -hmm. but it's also quite common for uh, typical children to have a small hole in the heart at birth okay and and so the hole is between the chambers in the heart okay and so it allows it allows oxygenated blood to flow into the chamber that that's deoxygenated so it's it's flowing from the it'll be flowing from the chamber that's going to go to your body mm-hmm. to to feed everything with oxygen into the chamber that's going to go to your lungs okay so it always flows in that direction mm-hmm. and in a normal child typical child that hole will close up quite quickly it's usually very small mm-hmm. and it'll close up you know and it's not a problem ellie's hole was five millimeters oh okay and if you think about how small they are at birth, yes, five millimeters is a large hole. Yeah. Um, 
So, and that's common. So the, the holes can be in the lower chambers or the upper chambers between the, those, or they can be in both. Okay. And Ellie, Ellie had holes in both chambers. Oh. The, the upper chamber, it was, re- it was very small. Mm-hmm. And in the lower chamber, it was five millimeters. So is there an actual name for this heart uh, defect or is it just called a hole in the heart? <laughs> no, it, it, it does have a name and uh, you'll excuse me if I'm uh, if I'm less than great at pronouncing the names. So okay. it's, <laughs> these are atrioventricular septal defects. So the AVSD. An AVSD or a, a VSD. So it depends on whether it's in the upper chamber uh, or the lower chamber uh an, an atrioventricular septal defect would be in the upper one okay and a ventricular septal defect would be in the lower between the lower two chambers ah okay that okay because i see those all like i i see the acronym or the the initials for it quite often but i was never quite sure what it all stood for or what it actually meant so that Okay, thank you. I that explains a lot. So, uh, like, are those the most common ones that our kiddos have? Or I have heard of like tetralogy of phthalate, and I I don't even know if I've said that correctly. You which... did. That's 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 pretty good. Yeah. Okay, thank um, you. And so, uh, there. Okay, so there's another one that's also quite common, and mm-hmm. it's called um, a persistent ductus arteriosus. And basically, uh, when a child's in the womb. Mm-hmm. It doesn't use its lungs. Obviously, oh, mommy's okay. supplying all the oxygenated blood that it needs. Right. And so there's a bypass, effectively. So it, the heart's still pumping. It's still pumping blood throughout its little body, but it's getting supplied by mom mm-hmm. and the umbilical cord. Right. So there's a, a structure in there that bypasses the lungs. Okay. At, at birth, that bypass um, shrinks and closes up so that the baby's lungs take over okay and in some children with with down syndrome that duct doesn't close down okay okay and so um um and so it'll divert blood away from the lungs after the child is born which is obviously not not a good thing to have no and so i i I, and i like i say i Ellie didn't have that problem, mm-hmm. and so I'm assuming they would just go in and close that up. They would have to close it up if it didn't close up on its own. Right. And the one you just mentioned, and I'm not going to attempt to repeat it, it's <laughs> such a nice job, um, it involves a ventricular septal defect plus a narrowing of the passage on the right ventric- uh, ventricle to the lungs, Okay. an enlargement of the right ventricle because of a backup of blood, Oh, okay. And then an, an, an over enlarged aorta, which carries blood yeah. from the left ventricle to the body. So it's a whole combination of things. Yes, I've heard that one is quite serious. So, yeah. And I, I, I but I, I mean, my limited understanding of heart conditions in our kiddos, I, I don't think that one's that necessarily that common. I mean, it's. I would think not. I think it's, you do hear of it in our kids, but I don't you don't hear about it often. I just know that it's one of the more serious conditions. So, but thankfully Ellie didn't have that one. So she did not. That's good. So when Janie was pregnant, like, did you guys have a, like a prenatal or a birth diagnosis with Ellie? We had a prenatal diagnosis. 
so because you had a prenatal diagnosis, I know for myself personally, because I had a prenatal diagnosis as well, they sent me for an echocardiogram, I think around, gosh, I'm trying to think, 20 weeks. So did they do that for you guys as well? I'm sure they did, uh, yes. <laughs> and I know that we went, we were going to um, the Jim Patterson Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went in for ultrasounds at least once a month, okay. if not more regularly. Um, and the lady, the, the doctor there took all kinds of measurements of Ellie. Um, and I, she was looking specifically to see if they could detect any defects in her heart mm-hmm. before birth to be prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. And they never saw anything. Oh, so, you, so they oh. looked hard, mm-hmm. but they couldn't see anything. Um, obviously they're, you know, it's the position of the baby mm-hmm. and, um, you know, every time you go in, it depends on how the baby is situated and what they can see and the size, you know, um, uh, of the fetus that they're looking at mm-hmm. and the heart is pretty small and she looked very hard <laughs> we we have many many pictures we had many 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 pictures taken um and many measurements mm-hmm. and um no that it wasn't until after she was born that uh they found it quite quickly oh they did so so after she was born so like what indicated to them i guess shortly after they were she was born that she had a uh, heart condition do you recall you know it's funny it's it's it wasn't that long ago but it seems like so long ago that all this stuff took place mm-hmm. i believe they did a, a ekg right away i believe they did um tests on her right away and a, probably an ultrasound right away okay on her um and i know janie said that after we left um, after, after Ellie was, uh, was born and, you know, I was there for quite a while and then, you know, you leave and mom's going to go to sleep and everything. And, um, they took Ellie away. They took Ellie to the NICU right away. Okay. Ellie, yeah, Ellie was admitted to the NICU that day, like the day of her birth. Um, so they found it right away and, uh, you know, thankfully mm-hmm. they knew right away what was going on. Yeah. So... Okay, so they discovered it shortly after she was born, which is good because I know Ainsley did. They did do another echo after she was born, but I don't recall it being right away. I think it was, I want to say, five or six days later. I think we were at Children's at that point. We got transferred at some point. I can't even remember. Like you said, it it seems it's not really that long ago, but it, you know, it a does. lot has happened. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So because of her heart condition so how long was ellie in like did you guys have an extended stay in the hospital or how long was ellie in the hospital for um ellie had what they what they called a um, failure to thrive oh yeah we had that too (laughs) yeah so ellie was in the NICU for 40 days wow i did not know that oh my gosh yeah Yeah. it was a long 40 days she she was she had a feeding tube Mm -hmm. for 40 days the whole time she was in the hospital like an ng tube yeah okay yeah Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah that was that was brutal because i only got three days off from work oh my gosh (laughs) so ellie ellie was born on friday so i was off friday then we had the weekend 
and I believe I was off Monday, Tuesday, just until Janie was up and well enough to drive herself back and forth to the hospital. And I went back to work. So I was working. Yeah, I was working, you know, five and because I got off early. We went back to the NICU. I went back to the NICU. We were there till seven at night. Um, So, yeah, 40 days in the NICU. And finally, we just said, uh, okay, that's enough. We're taking her home. I don't care if she has a feeding tube. We'll take her home with a feeding tube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're done. And we did. We took her home and we had her at home for, I don't know, a uh, couple of, she was home in maybe another two weeks, three weeks with the feeding tube. Mm-hmm. And finally, they relented and said that she, you know, she was putting on enough weight that we would go without the feeding tube. Oh, that's good. Yeah, when Ainsley was born, it was 26 days. And so I can't even imagine 40. It it felt like an eternity. It's, I mean, it's all like a distant memory now. But at the time, I thought, I just want to get out of here. And so, yeah, yeah, so I, I, wow, I can totally empathize with you on that one. Yeah, Ellie was a month early. Oh, so so she had to be there until her birth date. Right. Okay. And then because she wasn't putting on weight and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't, she was she wasn't taken to feeding. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a problem. So. Yeah. Well, I saw her today at a, another friend's birthday party and she's doing awesome. She was running yeah. around and kicking the balls <laughs> and doing awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's she's great. doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> so with Ellie's, t- um, AVSD, when do they typically repair it? Like, is it, do they have to get to a certain weight or, or how does it work? It's funny because Janie and I were talking about that and it's funny how different um, your memories are of the same events. Uh, Janie was sure that they told her that they were going to leave it. It was fine. Um, you know, and they, you know, a couple of, you know, maybe when she was two, they would fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't ever remember them saying that. Now, Janie was obviously at the hospital much more than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, typically it's not a case of weight. It's a case of age. If, if it doesn't heal a, a significant amount, if the hole doesn't shrink significantly by the time the child is five or six months, mm-hmm they need to fix it because um what's happening of course is all that extra blood is pouring into the chamber that's pushing blood to the lungs so you're increasing the pressure in the lungs right and so when ellie was born she had um pulmonary hypertension so she had increased blood pressure in her lungs Mm -hmm. which was um which had sort of uh, it sort of masked the symptoms for her heart condition. They, you know, they kept telling us, well, you know, she look for things like um, rapid breathing, blue lips. She might be lethargic and everything. And she never showed any of those symptoms because her blood, her, her, the blood pressure in her lungs had stayed high. It had sort of stabilized her system. Okay. However, it was, um, it would lead to long-term damage in her lungs and so eventually they, they phoned us on like a Tuesday and said, you've got to come in. <laughs> we oh, want gosh. you. Yeah, they were like, you, I think they phoned us the week before, like 
the end of the week before and said, we want all the blood work and stuff done on the Tuesday and she'll have the surgery on the Friday. So how old was Ellie at this point? She was five months. Okay. It sounds very similar to Christy Fuller, who we had on a few weeks ago, her son who has mosaic Down syndrome, but she said he has the classic uh, AVSD and exactly what you said he had, but unbeknownst to them and he, his didn't get repaired until 11 months because they they didn't know even that he had mosaic down syndrome until he was 11 months old. And then right. a few days later he's going for open heart surgery. So yeah. So, but very similar, like what, what you said. So that, that's very interesting. So you here you are thinking initially, okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to close on its own and boom, they tell you, no, you got to come in. Like, how do you, I don't know. How do you, as a parent, prepare for that I, I can't even imagine what that's like I think uh, I think partially we were lucky in the fact that we didn't get a lot of time to even think about it we didn't get it's not like they scheduled it a month in advance and we got to worry ourselves into um, into a, a nervous rack mm -hmm. uh, we had we had four days basically to to, to process the fact that she was going to go in for heart surgery. Um, but there was, you know, a lot of hugging and cuddling and it was scary. We were. Yes. I can, can only imagine. So like, so you've only got really four days to prepare. And so on the day of Ellie's surgery, like, what is that like for you? Like, like, I mean, Ainsley's had some minor surgeries for tubes, but you know, that was hard initially. So I can't, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like when you're handing over your child, you know, that they're going to open up their chest and, and fix their heart. Like, I don't know. What is that like for you? It was, uh, that was the worst experience I ever had as, a, as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, the people were great at children's. Mm -hmm. But, uh, again, Janie and I had very different recollections of that day. So, you know, we took her down there and we were both terrified. Mm -hmm. Obviously. And, and so you, um, you know, you get into the queue and then they, they bring you into a little, um, you know, it's a sort of an open room with, um, they have little curtains and you, you change her into something, mm -hmm. some the clothes she's going to wear into the operating room. And feed her some brown drink that puts her out, you know, knocks her out. Oh, okay. And uh, and then we, you know, we hugged her and cuddled her and kissed her, and then the nurse came and took her away. I had I handed her over, and she <gasps> off she went. Oh. And and it was and it was it, yeah. We didn't. I didn't get to take her in. We didn't. Obviously, you didn't get to be in there. It's open heart surgery. It's it's fairly intense. Um, it's fairly intense. It's not something. Yeah, it's not something I would have wanted to have witnessed. No. Um, and then they give you a little private room, and they give you a pager, and they're like, "Okay, well, we'll page you when it's done." Oh my god. And you gosh. just, and you just wait. And by this time, I, I mean, when I get under really high stress situations, I usually develop really bad headaches and stuff. So I was a wreck. I was just, I sat. I just wanted to sit in the room and just wait and that's what we did we basically just sat in the room 
and waited. And it's interesting, you know, because you know, you asked, you know, it just seemed to take forever. You know, we we seem to be in that room forever. I'm sure, because um, you're just waiting. I'm, I'm surprised that you weren't able to go into the operating room. I mean, I because I, I mean, obviously very different surgeries when he's got tubes put in her ears. But I took her and put her right on the bed. But I guess obviously because it's heart surgery, it's more so much more complex but wow i, I yeah, yes yeah. I've, I've talked to another surgeon that i've got i've got a really you know one of my best friends is a surgeon in mm -hmm. Surreyville, and he said the same thing he thought it was odd that we weren't allowed to take her in and put her down he says that's normally what happens he was surprised that you know that a nurse came and got her and, and took her away but uh okay i I don't know. Maybe it would have been fairly overwhelming to have seen all the machines she was going to be hooked up to. I'm sure they have their reasons, mm -hmm. um, you know, so. No, I, yeah, you're probably right. So like approximately how long was Ellie's surgery? I mean, like you said, it seemed like an eternity, but do you recall about how long it was? It was, it was somewhere between four and six hours. Mm -hmm. If I, if we can remember correctly, it was, Janie thinks it was closer to the six hours. It seemed like, we were there. It was a long day. Uh, we got there early, and it just it, we were in that room for a long time. And, and you're uh, just sitting there, just waiting. Like you, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't do anything. You just it. Like... I, I mean, I think we walked around for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, they give you this pager, and it's in a huge plastic, um, you know, don't steal me case. You know, like a like a like a. a, a a service station bathroom key thing so yeah you're walking around with this huge pager and uh i i couldn't eat and uh we you know we i i do think we wandered around a little bit um but mostly we just yeah sat and waited it was it was like i say it was and it it's funny because you look back and at the time when she was having the surgery mm -hmm. i thought well it can't this is the worst this is the worst. It can't get any worse than this. And I was wrong. Okay. You know? And so, okay, so then how were you wrong? What happened? So as she got out of surgery and the surgery went perfectly, there mm -hmm. was no, well, um, the only, you know, he said the only complication they had is when they were all finished, they got finished with her, and they had kind of waited for the pressure in her lungs to drop. Mm -hmm. That would sort of tell them that, okay, everything's okay. So what they did is they went in and they just sewed in a little patch mm -hmm. over the hole. Okay. But, the, but the, in the in the lower the lower chambers of her heart, they put in a patch. In the upper chambers, they actually made that hole larger. And the reason they did that is that would allow if it would allow, it would sort of like act as a, um, like a pressure valve. Mm-hmm. If the pressure in her heart got too great, there was an escape release so that blood could get out of the heart mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have too much pressure build up. Right, okay. They, they were waiting for the pressure in her lungs to come down, and it wasn't, but they thought, okay, they everything was finished, and they started to wheel her out, and then the pressure in her lungs collapsed. Oh, no. So they wheeled her back in, right, Cause, and they you know checked everything and just, and he said, no, everything was fine. It was just, we, we were waiting for that. It just caught us off guard that it didn't happen until we were leaving, and then we rushed her back in and just, you know, hooked her back up to make sure everything was okay and everything was, and then they took her out. 
and that was fine. And then, um, and then they, you know, they took her into, you know, ICU. Mm-hmm. And then we went and got to see her, and she's hooked up to a zillion cables and and things. And the first day it wasn't too bad because she was pretty out of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, the next day, so she's five months old. Mom and dad come down, come to visit, and then mom and dad have to leave. She doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. So here she is all hooked up to a bunch of stuff and mom and dad are you know, leaving. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. So was that kind of when you said things got worse? So was that what it was? Is that like after they finished her, her lungs collapsed or was there any other the worst, further complications? That was it. I mean, she had a, um, one of her lungs collapsed when she was in the ICU, which is for that kind of surgery is totally common. It's, it's a, a totally common thing that occurs. It's not life threatening. I mean, it's, it's a common side effect of that kind of surgery. And and there was no problem. They, they did what they had to do and fixed it. And, um, you know, they said it was not a problem. Oh, good. Uh, And there wouldn't be any lasting effects of that. That's a, common hiccup i guess you could say mm-hmm. um for me that was the um going down seeing her having to say goodbye and leaving her like that scared mm-hmm. uh that was that was hard yeah i can imagine it's kind of heart-wrenching i yeah because it's so difficult. Like I said, like my only experiences with Ainsley with the ear tubes, which is nothing in comparison to heart surgery. And the first time I had to go through it, it was, it was horrible, you know, so I can, I can, can't even imagine. So I, I can totally empathize with you that how challenging that was. And so how long was like, I know that our kids are quite resilient. So how long was Ellie in the hospital after, um, her operation? They are shockingly resilient. So she was in ICU for, uh, I think, so they had her off all pain meds. She was only on Tylenol after the first day. Wow. And then she was only supposed to be in there for two days, except she had the collapsed lung. So they added a day. Wow. And then at Children's, um, they move them into sort of a private, um, a private room mom stayed with her mm-hmm. so mom slept down there with her and they monitored her so she was only in she was only in the hospital for a week wow okay and then she came home i mean if i'd had open heart surgery i'd have been in the hospital for weeks <laughs> to rec- you know to recover <laughs> yeah she was you know she was in icu for three days and then she was out um and she was uh you know, she was, she was okay. She came home. Um, the week after was, uh, a little rough. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five months, you don't really think of them as having, um, you know, bad dreams or nightmares or, but I, I think she was, I think she was, you know, having some trouble getting past that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty traumatic experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for her, um, but she, you know, she came out the other side. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the surgery went fine. It was perfect. It, there, we never had any, um, there wasn't, it was a perfect, it was a complete success. That's so awesome to hear. And I, generally that's what I do hear for our, our kiddos generally. Uh, I mean, obviously not every case, but I'm so glad for you guys that that was the case. And so you bring her home and she's not really on any pain meds at this point. Like, but how long is the recovery? Like one thing that I have heard is because, you know, they're like their chest has been open. You have to be, yep. you have to pick them up a certain way. And obviously, you know, how you're holding them, you have to be careful. So like, how long is that kind of recovery for? And, and, and what is like, how do you carry them or pick them up? You know, it's interesting because Janie was, we both were, but Janie was hyper conscious of the fact that she had been effectively injured. She was, you know, she had this large scar down the middle of her chest. Mm -hmm. And I, my impression of at the time was they were like, yeah, you know, uh, you could just pick her up normal. Oh, you know, you could just, she's fine. Like she'll be, she'll be okay. They've, they've stapled everything back together. It's all wired shut. Yeah. You're not going to hurt her. She's okay. She's, everything's going to mend together. I mean, obviously, you're not playing football with her, but yeah, if you just pick her up and carry her like you you normally do, you'll be she'll be fine. She's okay. Okay. But of course, you don't. <laughs> you know, it was a couple of weeks until at least until at least the scar, you know, the the wound starts to look healed on the outside. Mm-hmm. I think for your own peace of mind, you know, you and there was a bunch of precautions about cleaning it and and. You know, you had to be very careful because there's a, a very increased risk of infection. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, um, they do have a, a slightly compromised immune system. Mm-hmm. The, the sack around the heart's been opened up and there's always a risk of infection for that. Um, and so we had to be careful with the cleaning and stuff. That was the bigger concern, I think, for us was to making sure that it, it stayed clean. Okay. The other thing that they said, you know, she's a little girl and she's going to grow into a woman, is to keep her out of the sun, which would allow the scar to fade away oh, okay. really nicely. So if you keep her, the shirts up to her neckline and stuff, and then that scar would just, and it has, I mean, she's five and a half and that scar is very, very faint now. Oh, that's so, fantastic. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of our kids, they're proud to be a part of the zipper club, you know, and I, I often see kids wearing those shirts because I mean, you know, that's nothing to shake a stick at, you know, having open yep. heart surgery when you're like nope. a few months old, like it's, it's scary. And I think, you know, like you said, our kids are resilient and, and more often than not they come through with like shining colors so and thankfully they they can they're able to do these surgeries that there's you know our doctors have that knowledge to to do that for our our kiddos so i can't even imagine like how i mean how small her heart must have been and then to sew in a little pattern that's just amazing to me that's incredible i know it's crazy when you think about it because they're not you know, she's five months old, like really how, how big is it? You know? And so you have to think yeah. of, you know, the, the surgeons, their expertise and their talent. So, which is fantastic. And, and I've heard nothing but good things from children. So, you know, I'm so obviously so glad that you guys had a good experience there too. So 
like once you know her recovery was for the most part completed yeah like did you notice anything different about her like because i know like for example like sometimes feeding could be really hard i mean it's just hard for all of our kiddos when for most of our kiddos anyways but like like was like was she able to eat faster was she like more alert or not as tired like was there any noticeable like any real noticeable difference there were two there were a couple of um that we found very noticeable differences um some of them positives and there was a few um negative things Mm -hmm. um so positively yes she started to thrive um Mm -hmm. And it's funny because at five months, we thought she was fine. She looked normal to us. That was Ellie. That's what she looked like. That's how she behaved. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, we didn't realize, after, you know, after the open heart surgery and she recovered, how much more energy she had, what a, you know, she had a better appetite. She, yeah, she seemed to, um, like I said, she thrived. She just seemed to come alive. And it was amazing to see. Mm. On the negative side was... You know, just before she went into the surgery, um, she had just started to laugh and giggle and stuff. And, and she was making some of those, some of that progress. Mm-hmm. And and this, uh, and the surgery stunted that. So when she came back, she was, she that, that stuff sort of got pushed aside. It got delayed. Mm-hmm. And that was sad. I mean, she obviously, she made it up and it was no big deal. But at the time, it seemed like a huge, for us at the time. It was a major deal because she'd finally started to do that. And then she lost it because she was recovering from the surgery. And I, like I said, it came back, but it was, uh, it was something that stood out in my mind as something that sort of. Yeah. Cause uh, you're kind of wondering, is it going to come back? You, know? <laughs> you always do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you know yeah. that it's going to, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, is there a chance that it's not going to happen? Like, <laughs> she's yeah. never going to laugh again. Yeah. 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 I know. Aw. Yeah. Well, no, she so, was certainly laughing and giggling today at the party. Yes, that's for she, sure. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. Oh. Yeah. I kind of figured that like, like, I like how you said, like she was thriving because, and you know, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know before because she's just five months she's a baby oh and that's just what babies do and then wow she gets a repaired heart that's working effectively and you can just see the difference and you know how amazing so that's yeah that's so wonderful so you know like I recall one time when I went to see our pediatrician who I I love and she's fabulous that she's just she's told us that our our kiddos just generally across the board kind of have a, a lower immunity and Ainsley for the most part is pretty healthy although the first six months in daycare was pretty brutal but um but what about like kids like heart kids like Ellie like would you do you think I mean I know that you just have Ellie so you don't necessarily have the comparison but do you think uh our kids with Down syndrome who have a heart condition even though it's been repaired do you think they're a little bit more susceptible to illness than like, say for example, Ainsley, who doesn't have a heart condition. Do you know? I, I don't know. I, my instinct is to say that they're not, that once they, once they get it fixed, mm-hmm. they're, they're fine. Once, um, uh, obviously post op, they're more susceptible to certain infections due to the surgery mm-hmm. but once that passes um 
and they're thriving away. They're they're doing well. I think uh, you know. I think she's doing doing just as well as. Um, I mean, she didn't. You know, like you say, daycare was was brutal. Mm-hmm. However, she didn't seem to be any more or less sick than all of the typical kids that were in her class. It seemed that even in kindergarten, you know, I mm-hmm. you, you talk to the teacher and, and she's like, yeah, you know, half the class is in here and it's <laughs> it's not just Ellie who's sick, it's all the rest of them too. Um, so um, I think she seems to be holding her own as far as, you know, um, fighting off all the bugs that are coming her way. So um, I, there, I, I think it's true their immune system might be slightly compromised, mm-hmm. but I think they, for the most part, I think they, I think they, they seem to handle it okay. Well, no, that, and that's awesome to hear that, like you said, once the heart's repaired, that, you know, they're pretty much on par with the other kids or, you know, or with other kids with Down syndrome, like, you know, and Ainsley, yeah, like for the most part now, I mean, we had, a, we've had a little bit of a rough winter this year, but for the most part, she's been pretty healthy. So, so no, that's really awesome to hear. And I think for parents who, you know, that are listening and they, their kids are having to go through the surgery, I think that's something that they can, you know, feel confident about that, you know, obviously this is going to help their child and obviously, but um, that, you know, it's going to kind of put them on an even playing field with, with other kids. So, which is, which is great. So, Ainsley, like you, or sorry, Ainsley, Ellie. So they they've patched her the hole. So does she have to have any like future surgeries, or do they just monitor her? Um, after the surgeries, so she went in. She had, um, and she was. Um, Children's Hospital has a um, cardiac outpatient center at Surrey Memorial. Mm-hmm. Which, which is great so that we didn't have to travel all the way back down to um, um, to children's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went there, oh, at least, I, we went there twice quite, quite soon after her surgery mm-hmm. to get her checked out. And then it was like a year later. Um, and then it was two years later. Okay. And they were like, the last time we went in, which was, uh, it must have been, maybe it was two years, maybe she's three, maybe or four, so it was a while ago. And they're like, well, we don't want to see her. She's fine. She's, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing, she is as good as she's, as if she didn't have the, the surgery. She's fine. Yeah, she's, she's perfect. You don't oh. have to worry about anything. Janie was very worried about the upper hole, that they, you know, that it wouldn't, close over that that because they said look if it's still a problem mm-hmm. if they can still hear the murmur mm-hmm. um then they would have to do a um a minor surgery mm-hmm. to repair that hole and they would go in through her leg feed a catheter all the way up to her heart mm-hmm. and close it in it wouldn't be open heart surgery again it would be you know much less intrusive the um procedure mm-hmm. but um, from the last um, visit we got to the um, cardiac specialist, it's closing up fine. It's, you know, everything is fine. Oh, and that's she, awesome. Yeah, we're we're not really worried about it anymore. I I think her heart is um, 
is nice and strong and uh, I think we're completely out of the woods where that's concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice when you can say, thanks, Doc. I'm glad I don't have to see you anymore. So yes, <laughs> it was nice knowing you, but I, I'll be so glad I don't have to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's really fantastic. Nice. And I have heard that, too, that it's quite common for, I don't know, for typical kids, but I've heard for our kids um, that are rocking a little extra that quite often the holes just close up on their own, which is fantastic because who wants to put their kid in for another surgery? So yeah exactly so that oh yeah. that's so awesome so like so obviously she doesn't have to have any other future heart surgeries so so that's great to know and like what advice do you have for parents who have to go through this like what can parents expect because like did you guys I mean you guys didn't really have any time really per se but had you ever spoken to any other parents before Ellie's surgery or we hadn't um, we didn't know anybody whose uh, whose children had gone through a procedure like that, mm-hmm. um, so we really were sort of flying blind. Um, advice, um, really, uh, know that we have you know some of the best doctors in the world, and that uh, you know your kid's gonna be in terrific hands. I just can't say enough about the people that were working in all of the facilities that we went to in Surrey, in Vancouver. They were all terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the upside down play group, having that kind of support, um, having people that you can talk to who know what's, what it's like, what, what you're going through. Mm-hmm. is also really important, you know, making those kind of connections. Because really, I don't know how you prepare for something like this. I don't I, – I mean, what advice can you give? There's, It's your child. There's no way to prepare for something like this. You, you persevere, hoping for the best, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, try and make it through as best you can as a parent. It's funny. For me – the walkout, the, the takeaway for me was that, you know, Ellie won't ever remember any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll end up as an older child with a scar yeah. and no memory of what happened. However, her parents were scarred <laughs> in ways she'll never know. Yes. And she'll never understand why when she cries a certain way, she gets anything she wants because, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know why that works, but man, does it work on dad. <laughs> And it's just, you know, it's, it's true. Um, she'll just, you know, it's a certain pitch Mm -hmm. and it takes me right back to those days of being in the ICU with her. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know how you prepare for that. I think you, uh, you do your best. Um, uh, don't be, don't be afraid to cry. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, yes, like it's, I can't imagine a more difficult surgery, to be honest. You know, you're handing over your child and it's it's scary. It's very scary, right? And you're putting, yeah, you're putting your entire faith and life in these doctors' hands and that they know, like that they have the knowledge to do what they need to do. So, which they obviously did and have done so many times on lots of our kiddos so which is wonderful and 
it, like I know you, you you mentioned about like it's really good to have try to find a support network like you know we have our little upside down play group which is how you know we met and like is there anything that you would suggest to or advice that you would could give parents like that maybe they could ask their doc- doctors about the surgery or or just anything in general like that maybe little tips or something to offer parents um I think the only thing, I think the one thing I learned going through all of like, you know, Ellie being in the NICU for so long and and surgery and everything is that uh, as her parent, um, you are their advocate. And I mean, I think you and Janie have talked about this, you and I, maybe not so much, but I know it's come up a lot Mm -hmm. uh, that you have to, you have to ask the questions. There's no stupid question. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, don't be intimidated to say what you're thinking or to um, you really do need to get your voice out there mm-hmm. if if you think something doesn't sound right or you don't understand something or um, I mean the doctors are all very good at, at explaining what they're going to do which doesn't invalidate you're not understanding it. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, ask again. Um, if you know uh, a doctor or a nurse says something or 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 does something that you know maybe rubs you the wrong way or you you know whatever, say something. I mean, you're allowed to do that. There are people mm-hmm. too. They they're gonna do and say things. And and I think that advocacy that that like, hey, that's my that's my child. You mm-hmm. need to. Um, if it's got it's got to do with respect or it has to do with anything really and that's something I learned um, going through this whole process that you really need to just speak up yes and I like what you said to not be intimidated which is easier said than done obviously you know because it sometimes is easy to be intimidated by the doctors because we sometimes expect that they know everything and you know, and it's challenging, but you're right. Like we're our child's advocate and their voice. And, you know, sometimes you just have to get out of that comfort zone because if no one advocates for your kid, like, you know, like who's going to do it if it's not their parents. So that's right. Yeah. You're the last line of defense and and you have a right to, uh, you know, politely just Mm -hmm. say, uh, you know, I don't understand. Explain it again. I'm listening. I'm taking notes. I need to know what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, how long it's going to take. You know, I need to, I want to know what's, I want to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. You have that right. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that the doctors that I dealt with didn't do that. I, we had some fantastic doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, they were more than willing to explain everything that was going on. Um, I just think that it's something that, because I know personally, it's something that I have, I have trouble with mm-hmm. speaking up. You know, and and saying, "Hey, uh, what about this?" or or you know, um, it's something I've always had trouble with, and it's something that I have to work on, like anybody else. And mm-hmm. but I, you're right. You really need to. You're the last line of defense. Speak up. Yeah, and it's and it is practice, right? The more you do it, uh, the easier it gets. Absolutely. So you yep. just maybe need to practice more. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Only I'd rather do it with not with doctors. Yeah, I'm good with doctors. We'll just leave them alone. It will just 
it was something else. Okay. Well, no, I'm, well, you know, I'm sure it was, went fine and, and, uh, that you guys spoke up when you needed to in regards to LA. So I, you know, thank you so much for coming on and sharing Ellie's story. I mean, I, I can't remember. I've probably known you guys probably since LA. I was almost a baby, I'm sure, but I, I didn't know a lot of that story. So that was really interesting. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on today and, and share, because I, I learned a lot and I, and I'm sure our listeners will too. And, and hopefully give some of our listeners that comfort in knowing like if their child is having to go in for a similar surgery that, you know, there's lots of us parents who've been through it ahead of them and that uh, it's, it's going to come out okay. So I do, you know, thank you so much, Frank. Oh, thank you for having me, Mary. It was great. So Frank had quite the compelling story from the father's perspective. Yes, I, I think so too. And I'm so glad that he was able to come on and, and share his story because I think, you know, handing your child over for that kind of surgery, it's pretty scary and, and pretty daunting. So I'm glad he was able to share that. And it was interesting that he and his wife, Janie, mm-hmm. uh, had differing memories. Yes. Yeah, I thought so too. So yeah, which is kind of interesting. So but, you know, I'm glad that it all was resolved and, and Ellie's doing well now. Yeah. And I have to, and I mean, I met Frank and Janie and, and Ellie at Ainsley's birthday mm-hmm. and they are uh, great people. So I was, I was glad to be able to have met them. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're both lovely and, and I'm so glad that we have them in our lives. All right. So why don't you lead us on out of this one? Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast, and I would love to hear from you. What things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and let us know what's going on in your life. Or if you have any ideas for different episodes or stories, we would love to hear from you. And also, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos, and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. See you, Ron.